We are in the middle of a series here, these I am statements that Jesus made. And today we're looking at light. I, I came across this on the internet. How many Christians does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> one? Well, charismatic Christians, only one. Because their hands are already in the air. <laughs> For the Pentecostals, ten. One to change the bulb and nine to pray against the spirit of darkness. <laughs> uh, for the Roman Catholics, none. Candles only. <laughs> and uh, for our friends the Methodists, it's undetermined. Whether your light is bright, dull or completely out, you are loved. You can be a light bulb, a turnip bulb, a tulip bulb, church-wide lighting service, you're all welcome. <laughs> and uh, what about the Baptists? Well, at least 15. Because it's one to change the light bulb, three committees to approve the change and decide who brings the potato salad. <laughs> so this is our verse for today. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you have ever studied this particular part of the Bible, you will know that this is a powerful statement that comes at a very interesting time in the life of Jesus. It comes at one of the big festivals that took place for the Jewish nation. Do you know what that festival was called? Festival of Light. <laughs> it was this one, the Feast of Tabernacles. It's also known as the Feast of Sukkot, meaning booths. It was the Feast of Booths. Here's a booth um, that uh, the uh, Jewish people would have gone into. Why would they go into the booths? It's because they were all summoned to Jerusalem. It was a very important festival and all the Jews, particularly the Jewish men, were summoned to Jerusalem. So it would have been heaving. So they, they bring their tents and they camp around the city. Have you seen this city? Recognize that there city? That is Glastonbury. There's the pyramids tent. Look, for those who uh, like watching that kind of thing. But it's a whole city, a temporary city where people gather for an important event. Imagine that's what it would have been like in Jerusalem. All these people turning up because it was a very important festival, this festival, this um, Feast of Sukkot. And they were there to celebrate four things about God. They were there to celebrate God's salvation. They were there to celebrate God's provision. They were there to celebrate God's shelter and God's faithfulness. For all good Jewish men and women, they would have known their story. They would have known about how God had brought their forefathers out of Egypt and he had led them for 40 years through the wilderness. That would have been in their minds. They would have been thinking about that. They would have been thinking about how God was faithful to them, how he had protected them, how he had provided for them, how he had given them shelter, how God had been faithful. That would have been the backdrop for them. You see, 
When God brought Israel out of Egypt, it says there was two ways in which he led them. I love this picture here. By daytime, they were led by a pillar of cloud. At night, God led them by a pillar of fire. It literally was their roots. It was their light in the darkness. They were in the wilderness. When God said, let's go, then they would go. These Jewish people would have known this story. So when they came to this festival, they would be aware of this backdrop. They were celebrating the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Now, when they got to Jerusalem, this is like a, a picture of the temple. Four massive great lights were lit in the court of the Gentiles. You can kind of see it in this illustration here. You can kind of look here, 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 here. These were massive lights. They were put, set up high within the temple. Remember, Jerusalem was a city on a hill. The temple was probably the highest point in that city on the hill. So at the highest point in the highest city, they're lighting lights up nice and high. Four of them, big bright lights. It was said that these lights would light up the whole area. People could see this light. You couldn't mistake, yep, that's, that's Jerusalem over there. That's the festival they do. We can see the light. Just imagine all around the area, people could look and see this city on a hill. They could see this light. It was stronger and more powerful than the darkness. They could see it. And it was at this moment that Jesus decided to say this statement. So you've got the backdrop of light leading Israel. You've got all these lights being lit in the middle of this festival. Everybody's there because they had to be there. And what does Jesus do? He stands up and says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You can imagine the Jewish people going, what did he just say? We're here to celebrate God. We're here to celebrate Yahweh as the great light. This chap, Jesus, is saying, I am the light of the world. What an impact that statement would have had when he declared, I am the light of the world. Because it was right there before them. It was a massive visual demonstration. There they were in this city of lights. And he's saying, no, it is all about me. It was so dramatic, and I think we'd underestimate. So let your imaginations one wild on picturing what was going on there. You see, Jesus really is the light of the world. Not only was it an, an incredible thing when he said it, but the theological punch that this also gave was like dynamite. Because the Jews would have associated light with God. They would have associated all that uh, Jesus was saying with, with Yahweh, their God. And so when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, what's he doing? He's saying, it's being fulfilled in me. All that understanding is being fulfilled for you in me. If you've ever read the prophet Isaiah, there's a lot of talk about a forthcoming Messiah. This Messiah would be the light into um, the darkness. And uh, this great verse says this, the people walking in darkness 
have seen a great light. Of those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. That's from Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. Isaiah was prophesying that this Messiah, this one sent from God, would be light in the darkness. So when Jesus stands up at that um, feast, he's saying, it's being fulfilled in your hearing. It's all about me. Jesus was the fulfillment of that. Now, when they heard that, they had a choice. What are they, how are they going to respond to it? And the same is true for us today. And that's why I wanted to look at this verse here. From Psalm 36, verse 9. For with you, that is God, is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. So God is light. Jesus is saying, this is all about me. And in my experience, this has happened to me, is that when I discover something of God or God reveals something to me, it's like he gets his torch and uh, he starts to shine it in my life. Have you found that maybe for you, that as you draw close, as you journey with God, yes, he is the light, but he shines his light into my life and starts revealing areas in my life that maybe are a little bit dark, maybe that I may be hidden away. I mean, I don't know about you, but at home, sometimes we lose something down the sofa. Oh, by the way, sister, we found it. She was at our house, lost one of her lenses out of her glasses. <laughs> so what do we do when you lose something? You get your torch out, don't you? Then you lie and then you, uh, under the sofa and you try to find it. And you know what? Sometimes in life, you've got a few areas that are hidden away. They're, they're kind of in darkness. God shines his light into those areas. Not because he wants to embarrass us, not because he wants to shame us, but because he loves us and he wants us to be free from the darkness so that we can be in his light. So in his light, we see light. You know, when Jesus was with his followers, he said, go and do the things that I am doing. Because Jesus was bringing light. He was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy and he was bringing light into darkness. And this went into the early church. And Paul wrote this to the Ephesians. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. So we come to the light, which is Jesus. The light shines into us reveals things in us so we are then free from those things so that then we can be the light into the world. Can you see it then continues? It moves on. Another verse for us. Paul wrote this. I love this version from the message. Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night. Another translation says, you know, we are to um, shine. We are to be like stars. We are to bring light into darkness. Think about maybe where you live. Think about uh, your workplace. Think about family situations where there is like areas of darkness. Well, we are called to be children of light. Just as Jesus brought light, he calls us, his church, 
to bring light into dark places. For some, that could be an area maybe where there's injustice and God is stoning you. I need to bring some light into that area. It could be a variety of things because of different people respond in different ways. But that's the call that God has for us. So how can we sort of demonstrate that? If you have your mobile phone with you, can we have the door shut and the lights off again? Let us... I've always wanted to do this in church. You see that at gigs, don't you? <laughs> have you got a little light? Have you got a little light? Well, shine your light. Let's see your light shining. Just look around the room. If you have a song now, shouldn't we? <laughs> this little light of mine. Can you shine your light, everyone? Now look how light this is. Have a look around the room. Can you see? Different people shine in their light. This is what we are called to do, into the darkness. And there's a lot of lights shining here. And God is calling you and me to shine. Let me read this verse uh, from Matthew. These are Jesus' words. Keep your light shining. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So church, we are called to be light bearers in the darkness. And just think of when we come together, wherever we are together with other Christians, the light gets stronger. The light gets stronger. Okay, thank you, Annie. Put the lights back on. You may turn your lights off if you know how to. <laughs> Make sure you do that. I think my battery is draining. So, before I pray, let me just wrap up with some conclusions here. You know, as I was talking about uh, the fire earlier on, about the warmth of a fire. Do you have your lights still on? <laughs> Um, I had this kind of image of a nice warm glow round a fire. And I felt that the Holy Spirit might be just saying to one or two people here today, come on in. There's an invitation for you to come and just be with Jesus. It might be you don't know who Jesus is. The invitation is come to me. I want to get to know you. Come and be a Christian. Maybe that's something for you this morning. As I said... Um, earlier on about God shining his light in us. You might feel there are some areas in your life where you are, it feels a little bit dark. There's some good news this morning. God loves you and he wants to shine his light so that you are free from that darkness. If that's you, then maybe God wants to touch you today and do something in you. The other thing and the final thing is this area of where is God asking you to shine your lights? What area in this world is something that, that really kind of stirs you like a passion or a burning? And maybe God is after something in you where he wants you to start shining his light in there. To expose something maybe or just to bring his presence, to bring who he is into that. 
So there are some areas that I would love to pray for you. We're very happy to pray for you. And we have some people who would also like to do that. Or if you're here with a, a trusted friend, well, they might want to pray with you as well. So, um, Harry and the band, if you'd just like to jump up for that final song. But I'd love just to pray for us as we've been reflecting on Jesus as the light of the world. So I will pray and then the band will close in a final song. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you are the light of the world. Thank you that when you declared that in uh, Jerusalem, people would have taken note of what you were saying. Thank you that there's nothing to fear with you because your light can reveal things in us. But as you do that, you do it because you love us and you want to get rid of darkness so that we can be free to serve you. I pray this morning that you would just stir us again, that we would be in awe and wonder of who you are, Jesus. But out of that, we would be light bearers in this world, where we would shine like stars in the night. Pray that you would stir us to find what are those areas where you are asking us to go and shine the light of your presence, which brings hope, which brings warmth, which brings change. Pray that as we go from this place into our weeks, we would remember that you are the light of the world. There's nowhere where we can go where you are not the light. So Lord, bless us, protect us, keep us, and may we be lights that shine in the darkness. Amen. Thank you, Harry. Amen.